the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. Welcome to The Kingdom and Its Stories. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and today we're blessed to have, well, it's coming a bit of a regular, if you call once a year a regular, but uh, <laughs> we have David, David Witt from the Spirit of Martyrdom. Welcome to the show, David. Yeah, thanks, Julian. Yeah, it's great to see your voice again, I mean, or to hear your voice and see your face again online. Well, the uh, the voice is better than the face, or so I think you. <laughs> oh, you, you got my, you got my vote of confidence. Oh, so, well, yeah, thank I you. I think you're doing all right. Why, well, thank you. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who uh, weren't able to tune in last time uh, when we had David on the show, he's from an organization named Spirit of Martyrdom. And, uh, well, uh, David, let's start with that. It's, um, it sounds like a, a first, but quite a, quite a, quite a serious a name with a fair bit of gravity. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the name and the organization. Yeah. Well, that name comes right from the scripture where it, uh, Jesus says his very final words on his earthly ministry of Acts 1, 8, you shall be my, um, martyrs or Witnesses of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. That Greek word is martus, where we get our modern word martyr. And so what our name took on was to really hopefully communicate and to serve the credible witness of Christ in those who are living by faith and not by fear, um, who are pouring their lives out, especially in persecuted and restricted areas of the world, and to bring honor to all those who have sacrificially been a you know a clean witness of Christ through history too the martyrs of Christ and martyrdom is more than just those who died for Christ it's those who have sacrificed for Christ have persecuted and I really like the intro by the way Julian of the show where it talked about the sacrificial love of Christ to others and that that sh- that your show's about that and you know I've pointed out many times that any love that isn't sacrificial is sloppy agape. You know, that's not God's okay. love. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we're spreading God's love uh, by, again, a clean witness and, and coming to partnership with those who are are be, doing the work um, and being a, wit, a bold witness for Christ in persecuted and restricted areas around the world. Goodness. So uh, this is the uh, this is the opposite of sloppy agape. This is sort of 
people really living their lives as Christ told us to. Amen. You know, so sort of no, no sort of, or as we read in Revelation, no lukewarmness. You know, where uh, mm-hmm. um, and and so I want to hear uh, in a little bit a few stories, if you would, a few real life examples of how people around the world are putting their faith really into action. Mm-hmm. And um, but 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 before we do, how 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 did the uh, organisation start? How, how how did it get going? What was the uh, impetus behind you uh, launching? Well, yeah, thank you. Well, my wife and I are the founders, certainly in flesh, but by faith. And I mean, it's a true conviction we have that truly really the Holy Spirit um, put this upon our heart as we had met with many persecuted believers around the world. I was with Voice of the Martyrs. Mm for 10 years as a mission representative and really have a dead love to Richard and Simba and Wormbrand, who I got to know before they passed away. And, um, you know, through that ministry, I was able to travel to um, dozens of nations, persecuted nations, and interview families and loved ones who had lost their loved ones to, you know, to classic martyrdom, who have been died for their faith. They wouldn't deny Christ. And they're put to death by you know, in the Islamic world, fundamental Islam, in the communist world, the Islamic agenda, in the Hindu world, um, Hindu fundamentalist. And um, and so in all those areas, I saw amazing demonstration of love for their enemies. I mean, for, you know, returning better good uh, for the evil that was given to them, uh, forgiveness, faith, uh, trusting God through such horrible situations. And, you know, who can really wrap their heart and mind around suffering and death? Mm. It's so final. It's so violent. And yet here I were uh, meeting believers with smiles on their faces, joy, and, they ha- and, and they've experienced things I haven't even began to say that I've experienced. And so I was captivated by that, Julian. And so that God used that in my heart through the years with Voice of the Martyrs to really learn what it meant to have a spirit of martyrdom, to really trust Christ um, over you know the threats of the world and to love him so much that truly, as the scriptures talk about, that love cast out fear, that they'd rather be faithful to Christ and die first than deny his work and live in sin. And so that's what captivated my heart. And so I wrote the book, Fearless Love in the Midst of Terror. And that book uh, launched a, a lot of common kindred heart of people that got behind that and voice of ours ultimately gave the blessing in 2008 of starting this ministry. And so we, we decided to call the ministry after the, the principle that God had shown me a spirit, uh, spirit of martyrdom, uh, not only being a voice of the martyrs, but being a spirit of martyrdom, carrying that same spirit of love and faithfulness. I have to ask you, and really, it's a question to myself. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dodge it and uh, and place it squarely on you, and that is, um, all right. And I'll just speak for myself then. You know, when, when we're reading the scriptures and we hear about you know the joy of Paul, you know, in, in prison, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and this <clears throat> this is a stinking prison. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's one where he's chained. You know, and. Uh, mistreated and so forth and they're there they're there singing uh, hymns of praise you know and joyful Mm -hmm. and you read it and you don't doubt it you know it's amen to that but Mm -hmm. um it's not really not something that i've experienced you know uh, of that that sense and yet here you are uh faced with people who are living living that uh perhaps Mm -hmm. not locked in 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 jail but are, are living that real persecution and experiencing that that joy and so when when 
perhaps you were like me at one time in a sense of believing it but not experiencing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was it like when you were actually talking face-to-face -face with uh, people? I mean, I, I remember reading on the website about one martyr in the classic sense who uh, wouldn't uh, deny that Jesus was his Lord and, 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 mm -hmm. and they shot him and, it, and his wife was... Um, <sighs> Well, you know, I'll, I'll let you carry on the story. But uh, mm -hmm. I guess the, the, the nub of the question is this. How did it change you? How did it transform you from going from perhaps uh, a, a belief but then witnessing these things firsthand? How did it change you? Mm -hmm. Well, let me go back in history. So I remember when I first started visiting Persecute Church, I uh, went to Vietnam, and I remember visiting one of the pastors there who had, for his faith, had been arrested, put in an underground cell, a tiger cage, they called it, which was a the size basically about four feet by four feet, so basically a box. And they had um, his wrist and his neck uh, you know, chained in a stock and, and his feet chained. And he was given one bowl of white rice every day. He couldn't go outside to see the light of day. And he had no visitors. And that was for five months. And so here I am visiting him. He's out of, obviously out of prison. And I'm hearing this experience and growing in my faith. And I, and, I, and I had this sense as I'm sitting there, Julian, that I don't deserve to be in this man's mm. presence. I mm -hmm. mean, this is like Jesus. Like, who am I as an American? I've never suffered like that. I don't have the threat for my faith. And, mm. you know, I was kind of in self-pity. And it was like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, David, it's level at the cross of Christ. You have the same cross. It's the same Lord. It's I, I'm the Lord of both of you. And it gave me a new sense of courage and, and sense that God was with us at that point. And so I said, brother, I said, what was that like? really, to experience that kind of depth of suffering. And he looked at me with a genuineness and sincerity that you only have to be able to see and experience. And he said, David, I wouldn't exchange it for anything. It's the sweetest time I've ever had with Jesus. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you begin to have experiences like that, Julian, where in, in companionship and friendship, in genuine experiences, your faith is built up like you realize there's a bigger world out there than our physical reality, because how, because that doesn't meet the rational mind. And, but I'm seeing it in kind of a physical reality in this guy's life. It's a true testimony of what he experienced. And that's been my life now, if, as I've been able to interview and interact with hundreds of persecuted brother, brothers and sisters and, you know, 25 plus years of serving the persecuted church. Um, so, you know, that's, the, yeah, I just got back from Africa uh, a week and a half ago. And and, and uh, you know, to some of the believers I, I, I was with are from Martania. And, you know, Martania, it's on the books that if you're found to leave Islam and become a Christian specifically, you're put to death. Um, they have to hide their Bibles there. So, you know, how do you conduct normal Christianity? I mean, what is normal Christianity when you could be put to death any time in prison, um, you know, lose everything? What is what does a worship service look like? <laughs> You know, what does it look like to decide to, to grow as a disciple yourself, let alone disciple someone else? It's totally different rules, but it's the same God. It's the same world, corruption, power involved. And, and it was just so sweet. The fellowship we had one of their. And so let me back up. So this last year, then one of the Martinians 
was uh, arrested, um, you know, for his faith in, in Christ. And he was given the apostasy and he was given the worst sentence, unrepentant apostate. And because of your apostate, you get three days to recant, come back, become a Muslim. But if you're unrepentant, as soon as you see the judge, you're going to be put to death. So the judge knew it would be an international incident. So um, he was put off, put off. He's four months in prison. Um, I went with our director to the border there, land. Uh, uh, Marte met with his daughter. We just get to pray. And um, and bottom line, our director there, without going into too many details for security reasons, was able to go in, visit him in prison. No one else had visited him because of fear. And prayed with him, encouraged him. The tens of thousands of believers were praying for him. He had such joy. And um, ultimately, with prayer and God's favor, able to negotiate the release of this Christian brother looking at death sentence. And he's free today because God has authority even over prisons in um, fundamental Islamic nations more than man. And it's an amazing story. And for security reasons, I can't go into all the details. But bottom line, here's a guy. Oh, and this is why I'm telling the story. So at the end, he was a witness the whole time in this prison. And God gave him favor from all the inmates and and uh, the even the uh, the guards. And and here and at the end, here's a guy that's trusting Christ. The at, when he was released, all the inmates came out and the guards and the warden and they stood in attention and gave him a, a, an applause, a, a, a clap as he left the prison. Now, so, Julian, what you know, what is that about? How does that happen? Except there's there's a bigger power and force and authority going on in this world that we could see. I, I don't know what to say except to clear my throat. I mean, it's just, you know, you're, you're speaking clearly of uh, a close connection with these Christians and the divine. Uh, you know, for someone to be in a four-foot cage eating one bowl of rice and sol- in solitary confinement is hell, you know. And so, so mm-hmm. to call that the most sweet time mm-hmm. in connection with Jesus Christ is just mind-blowing. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me, uh, I won't say the, the country, but it reminds me of... Um, uh, people, uh, I've heard of uh, the accounts, uh, those who are uh, an underground churches. And mm-hmm. um, they say, well, the, the, the person I was with said, well, what happens if you get, if you get caught? And they said, well, we go, we go to jail. And, uh, and, and there's sort of apparently a smile on his face. And, it, and he says, and that's in jail. That's where we learn real theology. That's when mm-hmm. we really learn about the Bible. And, <laughs> yeah. you yeah, know. Exactly. and so, so it's kind of a goal. Uh, you know, to, to have that that theology, and so, you know, but but your your situation uh, with the um, the gentleman, the brother who was in a, in a cage. I mean, you know, perhaps that was just an isolated incident. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, this guy, you know, was just uh, just a one off. I mean, or can you contradict that statement? Yeah, well, and so that's this consistency we see through history. Of like people uh, who's read uh, read Fox's Book of Martyrs and the Martyrs Mirror and, and some classic books in history is that we see the consistency that God, um, you know, he he sustains, um, he strengthens his witnesses for Christ. I mean, it starts with Stephen, right? Stephen was being stoned. Instead, of Stephen crying out, "Oh, it's I'm in pain! Please don't!" No, he says, while he's being stoned, he says, "I see." the uh jesus standing at the right hand of the father 
and in glory, and he says his face glowed, and in glory he was taken home. Now, here's, I mean, that's there's a lot of theology there. Jesus is the only time he's standing at the Father, so he's standing in honor of Stephen coming home, and Stephen had no focus of the pain and suffering to his body going on. He was so enraptured with the glory of God that he was brought home in glory. Now, I'm not going to try to argue that every time our brothers and sisters are martyred that there's this enrapture and there's this that, that the same experience exactly and there's not pain because even Christ, you know, had pain and suffering at, at the cross. But there's a presence and a peace and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that God gives, that, that God redeems that time, and it is a time of worship. And so we see the history of that, and we see that alive today. Again, just getting back, um, you know, from the persecuted world of, of hearing all the believers talking about that and every every muslim background believer specifically is a persecuted believer they've all suffered they've all been threatened they've been rejected for their families and their communities and all these believers i was just with have communicated in one way or another how christ was more valuable and how they did not find love within islam in that context um in and, and and how but the the body of christ in the in the gospel is been better than all the persecution that they've experienced. Uh, that's the reality of God's word. And that's when we, when our heart is clean before the Lord, we are now walking in a new realm that the world doesn't understand. For myself, I've always been uh, somewhat embarrassed uh, of my response, but also impressed of the serenity that is within these people. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been speaking to, to some people, certainly not as many as you, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just this certain serenity within them. There's certain stability in rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 so share with a little bit about us, how um, you as an organization um, help. Um, I know you mm-hmm. gave a sort of a brief introduction at the start, but what with you know boots on the ground as it were when the rubber yeah. hits the road what is it that you actually do well i i love you to actually just mention something i think it's key is you know like for instance so many uh, organizations do projects and we're not actually technically project focused we're people focused so we've been able to identify what we would call true martyrs uh true people who uh, god has cleaned their heart and they're willing to literally die for the lord and so they're pouring themselves out at great risk and sacrifice in fact our mission purpose is internationally serving leaders who risk much for jesus and so we come beside them and build an intimate relationship with them we know them i'm in their houses they're in mine uh, we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so what I, the practical side of it is, is they are in these re- regions of the world, like in India. And in India is the 10th most persecuted you know, nation on earth right now. That they uh, are able to le- be led by the Holy Spirit, and they're leveraging leadership that's uh, boots, that's credible boots on the ground. And so they were able to, you know, take $100 uh, U.S. dollars and and you know, get the equivalent of a thousand U.S. dollars. I mean, you know, we get a dime on the dollar for their faithfulness. For instance, we just uh, we give all tools. Everything we give is tools it has to be multipliable. And so we give a bicycle to the church planters there in um, in, in India. And we found that the average church planter, when they get a bicycle, they'll increase founding a church three, three more house churches within 12 months just with a hundred dollar bicycle, Julie. Now, you know, we cost hundreds of thousands of dollars of church planning in the United States just to get one church going. Uh, and we're, we're spending we're spending $100. So that that's what we do. We come beside them, build the relationship, find out what the needs are, 
and simply try to meet those needs and a lot, obviously, financial. But a lot of it's encouragement. It's love. It's ideas, thoughts. It's finding then experts in certain fields and helping network. So it's it's whatever the need is. But once we build the relationship, we identify that. Oh, man. You know, I've been looking at your website and uh, it, it's some of the activities also you're involved with go mm-hmm. go beyond, uh, obviously, the, the, the fellowship. You know, you're, you're involved mm-hmm. uh, uh, with agricultural outreach, you know, mm-hmm. providing Bibles. And uh, uh, I love the micro businesses, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, the ladies and the, and the, the sewing. The lighthouse sewing centers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, t- tell us a little before you do. I'm being prompted. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. My name is Julian Gibb, and today we're blessed and indeed inspired and uh, challenged by uh, David, David Witt from uh, The Spirit of Martyrdom. And David has been sharing about how the incredible faith that has cast out fear to brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted, who uh, would rather uh, uh, exchange their lives, you know, not... uh, uh, not turn their back on Jesus uh, rather than keep mm. their lives here on earth. And uh, But um, also we were just about to discuss things such as the uh, ladies sewing micro-businesses. So tell mm. us tell us a bit more about that. Oh, my goodness. It's, I, I, I get so excited about this because the, here's a group of women who have no power. No, you know, the world says they have no leadership. Uh, we're doing this in, in Asia, Bangladesh, India, the Northwest Africa. And um, and yet when we are able to put them through a school and then most of them are illiterate, they're persecuted believers, they've come to Christ, now they're rejected, and they take a six-month uh, you know, um, school, a sewing discipleship, they learn their identity in Christ, their authority in Christ, and then they learn the sewing skill. They graduate, we're able to give them a $100 sewing machine. They bring that back to their home. They now have a little micro business. We call those lighthouse centers. And now as uh, clients in their village are coming to get their garments stitched and sewn and repaired, um, they're, they're, they're sharing scripture. They're, they're, they're witnessing the love and the power of Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit touches them, then they direct them to the local, you know, home fellowships there. And so it's this incredible synergy of, you know, the growth of the church and, and uh, and people in restricted first kid nations find a practical way that they're discovering Christ. Um, and so we've been able to train now, well, globally, about 5,000 uh, ladies in our micro businesses with, with Lighthouse uh, Sewing and Ladies um, Centers. And I'll just tell one story. I went, when I went uh, not so long ago, I, I this lady graduated a year before uh, from this, our sewing uh, school. And so I asked, and she just had a bright smile, and there are a few hundred of the Indians from her village there. So obviously she had a huge influence of all these villagers. Her, her, these Americans were coming through, and and um, and they're just so sweet and welcoming. And she, I asked her, I said, how many um, women have you prayed for this last year? And she, I mean, immediately, she goes, oh, probably about 1,200. And wow. I thought, honestly, Juliet, I thought I heard her wrong because I knew we were making leaders and I knew Christ is a leader and he, he makes leaders. Very, but I thought, no way. That's just, yeah, that's too much. <laughs> I, I have the same reaction. So, you know, I've interviewed a lot. So I always, when I think I heard something wrong, I, I re-asked the question a different way. So I said, yeah, you know, if you were to put it per month, how, how, how many people do you think per month do you, you pray for? And she goes, um, she thought about first, yeah, about 200 a month. I thought, oh, wow, that's twelve hundred. Because she graduated a year before, um, and I, and I thought, and, wow. and I saw the fruit of it. All these women, she was discipling 
50 ladies that Julie, here's a woman who doesn't know how to read or write, but she's discipled 50 ladies who come to her house on a regular basis. And I thought that's the gospel. That's the power of Christ. That's love in action. That's amazing. You know, and, and, you know, it really sort of shakes us up, doesn't it? You know, where, you know, it's just these people are simply stepping out in faith and doing what Jesus tells them to do, you know, in the scriptures. Yeah. And it's yeah, novel, isn't it? I know. It's a crazy notion. You know, it's kind of, they don't have a four stage strategy yeah. plan or, yeah. you know, uh, and yet the results are uh, are, are phenomenal. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just just uh, I'll ask you a couple of quick questions. And one mm-hmm. is, what would you say to people like me? Um, and maybe there's one or two listening uh, on the radio who are thinking, well, you know, this this lady you just spoke about, or perhaps mm-hmm. David as well. I mean, spiritual giants, spiritual giants, mm-hmm. you know, they've mm-hmm. they're just born. They just got what it takes. They were born with it, mm-hmm. but not not me. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Well, God gets more glory. The, the 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 less likely we are to be saints, the more glory he gets, right? So I've been blessed with interviewing actual literal terrorists who have murdered Christians, who've been persecutors, Saul's to Paul thing. And they and and when I interviewed them, they're unbelievable in their zeal for the Lord and now what they're doing for the Lord. And literally they have murder on their hand, the murder of of, of saints. So, you know, when people think, well, not me, then how much more God's going to get glory? So maybe you're not a murderer, you know, whatever, but and haven't been even that radical of sins. But the pain, plain fact that you don't think, yeah, me is, I think, gets God's attention because he loves doing the impossible. Well, praise God. So you hear that. Yeah. Let, you know, let your faith cast out your fear and respond mm. to God and see where he will lead you. God bless you all. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.